There's the theme song. But unlike last week, it's on tape because we do not have the live bass player as we did last time, well, Chuckster. I think he's probably tired. Was this a pretty grueling uh, gig? No, I'm just saying. That was the first time he got to play that song in 41 years. <laughs> so he's probably exhausted from... I'm sorry, I had to say that. Yeah, I know. Actually, we went 50 years without winning, so... Yeah. That was a long time. I actually did. It was even, a quick turnaround for I, us. I, no, I, I, <laughs> I, I, it was so funny. I actually did not know that. Yeah. And they said, like, we won the championship then, and we won the one with Cam Newton. They're like, it had been 50 years. I'm like, wow, that's a long time. Yeah, this is the steam room, by the way, everybody. Uh, the rankings came out. Oh. We are the number one podcast in the world. <laughs> the whole world. I am not aware of those rankings, but it sounds great. And you said it with conviction. So that's it, the biggest key. There must be hey, some shred of truth to it. The election was stolen. <laughs> I don't have a shred of proof. But the election was stolen. <laughs> we lost. That's fake news. That's fake news. We didn't really lose. It's good to see you again it's there, kid. It's good to see you, brother. This is oh, going to be a I great some, show. I we got, got Candace Parker coming on later. I love Candace. Oh, she's awesome. One of my awesome. favorite people. Yeah. Her and Adam are the two best people on that Tuesday night show. Over D-Wade and Shaq? Yeah, D-Wade came in a close third, though. And Shaq just did, missed the bronze? Just missed. Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> not even close to the bronze. I can tell that you're like a thoroughbred at the starting gate. You're all ready to go I with am. your first I got of all. a lot of good stuff today. Okay. I want to give a shout out to Lucy Harris, who passed away uh, this week. One of the greatest women basketball players ever. Got a chance to meet her at the Hall of Fame. Knew about her in life. Was the biggest star in, in women's basketball before it became popular. So what a sweet lady. And I just want people to know, go look at Lucia. Everybody call her Lucy, but her name was Lucia Harris. Go Google Lucia Harris, one of the best to ever do it. Rest in peace. And this is very personal for me. Joe B. Hall, ex-Kentucky coach, one of my favorite people in the world, passed away last week. He was coaching those Kentucky teams when you were at Auburn. Yes, but how we became friends, Ernie, you know, Kentucky was running basketball back then, and Auburn is a football school. So he called Sonny Smith one day. And he says, Charles should be on some of these teams. He's the best player in the SEC. And he said, I'm going to make some phone calls. And this dude went out of his way, Ernie, and got me on the World University Games team. An opposing coach. An opposing coach called somebody. He called Sonny first. And Sonny says, I just got a crazy call from Joe B. Hall saying you're the best player in the SEC, but nobody cares about basketball at Auburn. He's going to make a personal call and get you on the World University Games team. Or you deserve to be on there. And we've stayed friends until he passed away. And we would talk on the phone. And, man, he was just a good man. And I want him to rest in peace. But for him to go out of his way to do that for me, I always appreciated that. So shout out to the Big Blue Nation and Coach Joby Hall. Rest in peace. So those, I think the word is melancholy. I have no idea what it means, but I've heard people say it before. Tony Kornheiser. I want to give a shout-out to Nick Saban and Jerry West. I was just reading how those guys signed a petition and wrote letters to Joe Manchin. Joe Manchin trying to get him, even though the bill didn't pass. But I just want to thank two of the most influential people from West Virginia, Coach Saban and Jerry West, two of my favorite people, I might add. You know how much respect I got for Coach Saban. Yep. He's the GOAT by far. But Jerry West, you know, he's one of my favorite people in the world. And for them to try to get Mr. Manchin, and obviously it didn't help, but to them guys who really is not going to have any effect on their life, I really appreciate them because everybody should vote. 
the young lady from Arizona, Kirsten Kirsten Sinema, which should be making it easier for people to vote. I mean, just because people are stupid out here talking about afraid of elections and fraud and everything, man, let's make it easier for everybody to vote. It shouldn't come down to all Democrats and all Republicans. Everybody should have the right to vote. So that's my seriousness for the day. Hey, two things. Hideki Matsuyama hit the second best shot I've ever seen in golf on a par five at a playoff. He had 277, and he hit the most glorious three wood I've ever seen in my life for a tap-in eagle to win the tournament. And it checked up. It was unbelievable. That thing, uh, it was unbelievable. So the best golf shot I've ever seen was Tiger at the Canadian Open. Hit, like, I think a five wood, 220 yards over a lake. It was the best shot I've ever seen. But this shot came close. It's amazing. You got to go see it, man. It, it, it's incredible. And then the interim coach of the Raiders, he did a great job considering all the stuff that happened with Gruden, Henry Ruggs, the other kid on social media. It was a turmoil to host it. And he got the Raiders. They had a great record. Made it to the playoffs. Got beat, but had a great year. But he did something that I've never heard a coach do. The night before the game, he wrote a handwritten letter to every player on the team because he's the interim coach. He took over yeah. when Gruden got fired. The night before the last game, and it's 53 players, if, I, if I'm correct, on an NFL roster, he wrote a handwritten letter to every player saying, thank you guys for just giving me all y'all had all year. And I was like, wow. For him to take the time, he could have sent a stupid text but to take the time to write a handwritten letter to every player, that was one of that's the most solid that's right solid there, right man. there. Just saying thank you for giving me all you had all year. I thought that was one of the coolest things I've ever seen a coach do. So I want to acknowledge that. I hope he gets the head coaching gig. But if he don't, he always going to be cool. He might move into second place on my all-time favorite coaching list. Right behind Mike Tomlin. Uh, Mike Tomlin was two, so I guess he's third. My favorite coach of all time is Buddy Ryan. Over Nick Saban? Uh, or are you just talking NFL? Uh, I love Nick Saban. Uh, and I love our, Coach Harson. I love you too. But I think this top three is going to grow into a, like a top eight. No, but I'm talking about not accomplishments. Like guys, I was like, oh man. Buddy Ryan's my favorite coach of all time. And uh, Mike Tomlin, I still haven't met him yet. I have met Bill Belichick. Oh, Belichick. You, my, you guys are tight. He's my friend. Yeah. So I don't consider him on. But. Ernie, quit bringing up names. I'm trying to make a point. Yeah, hey, Belichick is my coach. Belichick is my friend. And last, and, and then I love uh, it when you get that look on your face, hey, while barking at me. Hey, this is serious right here. I know y'all don't know this guy. His name is John Moxley. You guys know I'm a big wrestling fan. Shout out to the Rock. Hey, Rock, we always gonna be close. I do all the stunt work. Y'all don't know this. When y'all see his body, that's me actually. So I watch a lot of wrestling. So John Moxley is a star on our network, Ashley. This is not a homer pick. He wrestles for, you know, shout out to Chris Jericho. So John Moxley, he's one of the biggest stars. Is AEW? Yes, AEW. He left three months ago for alcohol treatment. You know, I had a younger brother who passed away, so I know a lot about addiction. Yep. And he just came back this week. And I just want him to know we've never met. I just want to say, man, I'm really proud of him. I wish him nothing but the best. I've been through it with my family, and, man, it's a tough situation. But I just want him to know, man, I'm really proud of him. And just keep battling, man. That's all you can do. That's all you can do. So shout out to those guys.
We are uh, underway. Yes, we are. Now it's almost time on for the steamer. special, special, yeah. special guest. Almost. And we and this alert just in, construction has begun on a new Mount Rushmore of coaches. <laughs> there will be 603 heads on it. <laughs> Back here on the steam room where the only rule for our guests is that you leave your towel on. That's it. Anything else goes when you're a guest on the steam room. And we've got a special guest. A pleasure to welcome a, a woman with uncommon grace and, uh, and elegance and talent. and talent. And you will see her uh, on TNT NBA Tuesday beginning next Tuesday, the 25th, uh, along with Adam Lefko and Shaquille O'Neal and D. Wade. Candace Parker joins us in the steam room. Candace, hey guys, how are you, kid? I'm doing well. I'm excited to be on here with you all. Are you? I, really? I watch and support. Just FYI, you know, Chuck calls me out, but I actually do watch and support you. Guys. <laughs> so, are are you a loyal steamer? I am a loyal steamer. Nice, nice, and a fellow Peloton rider, Chuck. You still haven't gotten on the bike, but you need so, to. So we were having a conversation. So how did you find out about Peloton? When did you? You said that's the way you train now. Well, honestly, um, it was after my first NCAA eating in the green room with you, and I gained a little bit of weight. And so I needed to get in shape going into the season. So I was even the Peloton before the pandemic. Yeah. And Wait, well, hold I on. started trying to work off that chuck weight. I just want you to know that there was not a lot of eating going on. That's when we, you, we, you first started working with us, and you said, and I remember your exact words, I hear you like to drink. I want to challenge you. And everybody around says, <laughs> and everybody around you says, that's probably not a good idea. <laughs> I'm not worried about Chuck. I can handle Chuck. And we had a little drinking contest. Oh, how did that turn out? Did I lose? Uh, uh, First of all, EJ, who do you believe? Because do you think I would just walk up to Chuck and just Ernest been drinking him? with me a lot more, so he probably know I'm pretty damn sure I won the drinking contest. Who do I believe in general terms, or who do I, who do I believe in this story? It, no, in drinking terms. Uh, you would have your work cut out for you there, Candace. <laughs> Listen, all I know is I didn't lose. The bar closed. That's all I'm going to oh, say. Okay. So the, the but, score was tied but, and, the, and the lights but came I will on. Say that ball game. We knew we had a keeper then. Yeah. We had, I said, yo, she's going to be fun to work with for the next few years. Yeah. And it's been it, it exactly played out like that. Hey, look, I know it's too late to, uh, to be saying Happy New Year, but Happy New Year to you. And what a 2021 it was for you. Man, alive. Um, there were just a lot of things happening in your life. One of those was the championship with the Chicago Sky. And one of those was, look, one of my favorite images of sports or anything was you and your daughter, Layla, after you won the championship when you look back at that video or the, the pictures they took what comes to mind well it's interesting because we always make decisions together and so when it was time to make the decision to go to chicago we have a picture of us when we won in la and i'm holding her and she's holding the ball and it's actually in my office somewhere i need to find it um and she when we agreed to go to chicago she's like i want another picture like that <laughs> and so there you go. I think that's what was going through my mind is like, we have another moment. We have another picture. Um, she's been everywhere in the world with me, allowing me to like chase my dreams and, and live my dreams. And so I'm just so appreciative that she's so supportive and is always there. So 
I think, it, you know, that moment is is special for both of us. Well, I got a couple of questions. Number one, why do you have an office? Chuck, I work. I'm a businesswoman. You know, some of us, you know, we can't just, you know, go play golf and, you know, show up to work when we want and things like that. Like, we, we have to have an office, right, EJ? I'm with uh, you, well, I'm with you Candace. All, I got an office at my house. Uh, it looks, well, looks similar to yours. Uh, well, first of all, I have an office at my house. Yeah, but you don't use it. I do not. And that's why I was just that's why I was asking her the question. How much she use her office? I use it almost every day. So I want to ask you this question because I, I've been in the NBA for 37 years now. And do you think it was better went to Chicago late in your career? Because a lot of guys and girls hate playing in their hometown uh, because Everybody's always around. You don't get your normal rest. You end up going out too much, and everybody wants tickets. Do you think it was better that you went there late in your career and you, like, everybody's like, oh, that's Candace. We've seen her before, and they're not bugging you to death. Honestly, yes, because I think at 18 years old, like, you're ready to just leave and, you know, go and, and, and explore on your own. When I went back, I mean, the last time I was at home, I was 18, and I went back at 30. Uh, something years old. So <laughs> it was a lot different. It was a, it was a lot different. I think um, just in terms of the people have changed and, and coming back with a different perspective, I think we do take home for granted, you know, and we want to go out and we want to explore and things like that. And I got to do that. And then to be able to make the choice to go back home, you know, it all came full circle. Uh, I think the ticket requests were still there, but I think my maturity level was a lot better. Um, probably wouldn't have dealt with it as good. In fact, Chicago came, I think they were third. No, they were second that year in the draft. And so the lottery was between basically L.A. and Chicago. And I must say, I really wanted to go to L.A. Um, but to make the choice to go back home to Chicago, I mean, there's nothing like it. I think everybody should have the opportunity to play at home. You know, growing up in that area, as you did, I know you're a Bulls fan, you're an MJ fan. Why was Ron Harper your favorite? Man, I was always just the biggest Bulls fan. So when I grew up, you know, I was born in, in 1986, so I was in Chicago from the time they won their first championship on. And, you know, it was like almost every other year was like, hey, we're at Grant Park, you know, celebrating the Bulls. And I just loved that entire team. I fell in love with the team and, and mostly Ron Harper just because of his his presence, what he brought to the team. And then when we were in the back one time, like he agreed to take a picture with me. And I had that picture on the wall from the time he took it till I left for college. So he's just always been, you know, super nice to me and, you know, would always take the time to, to take the picture and sign the autograph. And you know, it's amazing. And I think it brings up a good point. The impact that a player can have. And so look, being who you are, you know, you can have that same impact. But when a player takes time yeah. and even if it's a photo like that, it is such a special moment for, for a young person. Yes. And I think it's, it, you remember it forever. And when you get to this stage and I, I must, you know, Chuck and I, we joke, you know, EJ, we joke, but like watching you all and how you all handle yourself out and take time and, and talk to people. I've had people come up to tell me stories about them running into you all in restaurants and how you take the time and talk. And, and that's a moment for, for people that they'll remember forever. And so I think, you know, sometimes, um, you have to remember when you were a kid, you know, who you yeah. looked up to and, right. and who inspired you. And I think that that, I mean, the Bulls, the entire Bulls 
inspired me so much. So I came to Turner. I just didn't like certain people like Isaiah Thomas. We were taught we did not like him. (laughs) It took some time to be okay with the Detroit Pistons. Well, speaking of that, is Shaq bigger? Uh, is a bigger jackass on Tuesdays? He is on Thursday. You know, <laughs> he's a little bit more mellowed out. I feel like it's you know he comes with a cleaner fit on Tuesdays. So I think he, you know, it's like that that youth. I don't know, but you know, D Wade keeps him in check. Lefko keeps him in check. You know, I try to try to you keep him in check. <laughs> Tell me about Coach Summit. I mean, obviously, she was a great coach. Uh, rest in peace, one of the greatest to ever do it. But what's it like to play for her? Well, when you play for Coach Summit, um, I thought I was going to Tennessee to play for a coach, but really I went to Tennessee and I was able to grow up and have a second mom, to have a teacher, to have a coach, to have, you know, all of these things. And I think the biggest thing that I say, yes, on the court, we won championships, we won a lot of games. But my freshman year, I was injured. I had to redshirt. And I went there and my parents were going through a divorce and it was just a really tough year. I had expected to play and I had to sit out that whole year and I didn't want to talk to anybody. And so she came to me and she said, my doors open at lunchtime. You're to be here. You don't have to talk. Just sit and eat your lunch in my office. So for the first couple of weeks, I came, didn't talk. And then by about week four, that was something I look forward to in the day, just going to talk to her. And I think during that time, I really understood, you know, how she is and the way she operates and how much she cares. And I think that's the biggest thing is, you know, Coach Summit cares about you. So there's so many lessons even today as a mom that I'm using because of her. She hasn't stopped teaching, you know, even though she's gone. You you know, it's interesting. You say, I think it's weird when you're a great player. You talk about your parents getting a divorce. You talk about the stress of being a great player. And then I'm watching these kids today talk about my mental health. And I'm actually kind of torn on the subject because I'm like, yeah, that's what it means to be a great player. You're under stress. You get all the credit, but you get all the blame. How have you been able to uh, navigate the pressures of being great? Because you're in the conversation, obviously one of the greatest women players ever. But if you factor in what you accomplished in college, then the WNBA, you've had one of the longest, most amazing careers. And I'm not just saying that because you're on the podcast. How do you deal with the, the mental pressure? Like, Because I tell people, you got no idea what it's like to be a great player. I said, you get all the credit, but man, you damn sure get all the blame. I think the biggest step that I had, because, you know, Chuck, I ate, slept, breathed basketball. And I still do, but I do it with the sense of I'm going to go out, I'm going to prepare, I'm going to do what I can, and then I'm going to relinquish the results. And I think that when you live by that way, there's always going to be somebody that has something to say. But to me, I love it because I love the motivation of it. Like, you know, growing up, my dad would just tell me I couldn't do something because he would smile because I would go out and try to bust my ass to do it. Um, So I don't know if people talking about me bothers me. You know, I know what I have to do and I know what it takes to, to, to do that. And there's, you can't lie to yourself. And I Mm. think sometimes athletes do that. You know, they make excuses for themselves. They lie to themselves. And I just believe like, you know, you always know. So you always know when you adequately prepared for a season, you know, when you're, when you went out and you did what you were supposed to. And if you're able to do that, then it's like, you can live with it. 
you know? And so I think that's my biggest thing is, and my daughter has taught me that. I think it's having other stuff other than just basketball as well. You know, having a healthy circle. What's the low point of your basketball career? I've had eight knee surgeries. Um, so coming in, I, I remember I thought I was the best thing ever. At 16 years old, I went up for an offensive rebound and I tore my ACL. And I tore every single thing in my knee. Um, when I got to Tennessee, you know, I came back after five months for ACL and then I wasn't able to play. So they did a total knee reconstruction my, my freshman year at Tennessee. And like I said, my parents were going through a divorce and I had just got to college. And so I think that's probably the lowest that I've been just because I felt like I didn't have anybody. But then I started writing to myself and I started writing a journal and I started keeping goals. And I think that like though that journal has really helped me even now. Because, you know, you go through the highs and lows of basketball and you have to remember when you win, but you also have to remember what you battled through to get to that point. And so I think the low point, you know, writing through that low point and writing to myself, I think has really helped me because I'm able to reflect now that we won a championship, you know, all that it took to get here. Do you, um, you still have that journal or those journals? Still have that journal. Yeah. Still have it. How often do you go back to it, you know, during a, some kind of circumstance in your life? And go back to, I want to read what I wrote that year that got me through that. All the time. And, um, you know, it, Pat Summit talks about handle success as you handle failure. And I think that's stuck with me because I think we're always so hard on ourselves when we fail. And, you know, we kind of forget what it took to get there when we succeed. And so I think that journal reminds me of it, you know, it, when it's a random January Thursday, you know, to be able to go get on the Peloton and to, you know, work out because I remember the feeling that we won the championship. Like, how did that feel? But it took all of these days to get there. So I think that journal is a, is a constant reminder to me. You know, you are in a unique situation right now. And you kind of, like I'll say, she's in a perfect situation and it sucks at the same time. Like, you're an older player, obviously, You've had one of the obviously, and and we all as players go through this where you're like, man, I just had arguably the greatest year of my life. Should I retire on top of the mountain, but I still want to play? Give me like, obviously, you're not going to make any groundbreaking decisions on our stupid podcast. I mean, earn the half to earn the stupid half. But like, what's Why? the what? What's, uh, I'm just messing around, just joking. What's the mental process that you're going through right now, as far as that goes? You know, it's interesting because I think people don't want to retire, but they don't want to put in the work to not retire. Like my biggest thing to myself, like my contract to myself, is I don't want to cheat the game. Like the game has been too great to me to go in and cheat it. And so, if I'm gonna play then I need to be able to go work out and come in and shape and come in ready. And I think that's where I'm at right now. I'm seeing, like, I'm really evaluating whether I think one, my body can tolerate it. And two, if like mentally I'm able to, cause I think everybody wants to play when the ball is tipped, but nobody wants to do it, do what is necessary to get to the tip. Yeah. But listen, as a guy who sucked his last two years, you don't want to suck either. I mean, because you know, it, it the, the game gets harder. Obviously, you get older. But like I said, you have that caveat like, damn, I had a really, really, really good year. But 
it's frustrating as a, as a guy who was a great player. I remember my last two years in Houston. I was like, these guys suck, and there's nothing I can do about it. And that that to me was the most frustrating part when guys who couldn't play dead were just kicking my ass. It sucks. <laughs> and especially when you wake up and you know your body isn't right. I think that's the biggest thing for me is like my body and making sure that I'm able to still beat my daughter because she's getting to the age now where she's like doesn't remember some of the stuff that I could do back in the day. So <laughs> I want to make sure that I can still show her like the surprise in her voice that she found out I could dunk. I was like, you're really questioning. So you this? should tell her, you better Google me. <laughs> <laughs> But then you look at the video and you realize, like, the video is not HD. So that's a long time ago. No, it is. So it's... you start realizing, like, how much older you're getting. Yeah. Um, but I think that's, you're right, Chuck. I mean, it's not fun when you're losing to people that you know, if your body was right, you could, you could take them. So I think that's what I'm taking into account. Right now I'm doing, I call it citizen workouts. So I'm not professional athlete workouts yet. And we're going to gauge how my body feels and we'll make the decision. You know, we all try to figure out what's next, what's next, what's next. I mean, you obviously work with us, but you, even when you retire, you're still going to be a very young lady. What's next for you? If you want to be continual in basketball, what's next for you? Well, I always want to have a hand in the women's game, you know, in some capacity. I don't want to coach. I will come out and say that uh, patience is a virtue and it's one that I don't have. So I don't think that I would be... <laughs> valuable coaching um would you like to run a team maybe you know i um i've been picking my my brother's brain you know he's on the on the gm side of things in orlando so i've just been figuring out and seeing what he does you know i really want to go into it with an open mind i love what i do at turner like you always say it all the time i feel like i have the second best job in the world one is playing basketball and two is just talking about it and so I love, you know, hanging out with you all and, 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 you know, the NCAA tournament, all of that. So I enjoy that aspect. But I think just more on the business side, um, definitely want to stay in sports. And, you know, I'm starting a couple companies. So I can't stay in one lane, man. My brain, the way it works, I have to do multiple things. How personal can we get in this conversation? Let's do it. Let's go. What was going on in your mind um, in December when you posted the shot of Two years ago, look, I've been, you've revealed, I've been married for two years. Yep. Uh, Anya Petrakova. Correct. So what made you, what told you this is the time, the time is right now to announce that, hey, I've been married to her for two years, a baby is on the way. So what was the thought process going in? You know, um, I've always been kind of a personal individual, like I have the same circle of friends and the same circle of people um, that have been around me. And so really everybody that I know knows her, you know, and um, she's amazing. She's an amazing individual. She's been my rock, my support system, my biggest, you know, supporter um, forever. And it's just when you have a kid that's coming into the world, um, I don't want him to ever doubt that you know, I didn't love his mom or I wasn't putting them first. And so I just felt like it was, it was the way I wanted to do it. I was able to tell the story the way that I wanted to and the way we were, we wanted to. And um, she's been an amazing, you know, bonus mom to Layla. We've been extremely fortunate to have, in our, have her in our lives. And so I just think it was, 
it wasn't, you know, something where it was an announcement or I'm trying to drop a book or something like that. It was really just an authentic way of just saying that I appreciate her and all she does for us and that we're so excited to be growing our family. Well, number one, I'm glad you got to be you. Not that it was in our business. I always tell you, every time one of my friends, like the last few years, I said, you know, that's really none of our business, but I'm glad you got to say what you wanted to say. So let me ask you a question about this. If you were commissioner of the WNBA, what were some of the things you would do to, to make it even better? Well, first and foremost, I think um, the WNBA has to be the first in the sports league to do things. And by that, I say we try to model our game a lot off of other sports leagues. And I think we're completely different. So honestly, you know, betting is a huge part of the WNBA. And so I think kind of taking that first step or, you know, taking a big step ahead of the other sports leagues with betting. I think that that's huge. And I know, Chuck, you, you're huge into that. So want to be dead broke when I kill over. Don't want to leave none for the family. <laughs> hey, I want every dime to be gone when Chuck kills over. <laughs> nope, they didn't, they didn't work to earn it. Not leaving it for him. Uh. <laughs> I think that that's one of the major steps. But also, um, you know, I think we look at the, the league and the way that it's, it, it's, it's come together. And I think to me, if, and correct me if I'm wrong, if you go in the history of sports, has there ever been a time where the coaches and GMs make more than the best players? Wow. And so I think that's an element of, yes, we are so happy that we're able to attract some of the best coaches and the best GMs. But really, when you're looking at it as a, as a fan and as a player, that formula to me needs to be corrected. Hey, you know what I was watching last night? And this will give you some idea of the... Uh excitement level uh, of my existence on a nightly basis. I was looking at your TED Talk. Barrier breaking is about not staying in your lane and not being something that the world expects you to be. It's about not accepting limitations. It starts with inspiration, and it's a foundation built upon picking apart what everybody thinks is the right way to do things. I'm going to be the best. Girls can't dunk in a game. I'll dunk twice. You can't hold up an MVP trophy pregnant. Okay, I'll show you. You can't have a family, a career, and nurse your daughter. I came back nine weeks post-delivery and I played in a game, and I nursed my daughter for 13 months. You can't be on the cover of a video game. You can't do a TED Talk as an athlete. And I'm thinking... Okay, here's Candace who has been on every stage. She's, she's on TV. But when you're standing on that stage, that has to be a career highlight. And, and, and the speech you delivered was just incredible. Take me back to that day. When I first, so I'm a, I'm a TED Talk. Like, I've been watching and listening to TED Talk since probably 2012, I would say. And... Um, that was always a bucket list goal of mine. And I remember when my PR and my agent called and they were like, you know, we have this opportunity for you to, and they said, Ted talk. And I was like, Oh my goodness. And you know, I've read all the books about delivery and how you're not supposed to have note cards or teleprompters and it's supposed to be a talk and the time limit time constraints. So I knew all of that, but as we got closer, I started getting more and more nervous. I'm telling you, Ernie, that Ted talk, 
three days before I was on a flight back from New York to LA and I got so nervous. I, I called my wife and I was like, I don't think I can do it. She was like, come on. Like you, you're never nervous. I was, I was petrified. It did not show for a second. I bombed. Really? I bombed it. Like it was awful. I had people looking at me like, are you sure she's going to be able to do it? And, um, I was able to practice for two days and I'm telling you that I had more nerves than before game four. I was so nervous. Was there an audience during the rehearsal or just a few people sitting around? There were a few people during the rehearsal. Um, the heads of Ted talk were there, which made me even more nervous. Um, but I bombed it, you know, and I kind of came out and was trying to reassure them that I would be ready in two days to, to do it but I was so nervous. And, you know, I went and practiced the next two days. They had like speaker rooms set up and. Whew. But it's, you know, it, but it's a different animal when it's, when it's live and you're there and it's an audience and you can make eye contact and you can see that certain things you're saying are resounding with people. That, that is such a, that is such an impetus to, and such a relaxer. It always has been for me, at least in, in doing a lot of public speaking, not at a Ted talk, but when you can see that what you're saying is resting on them and it's like, you know, it's not a bunch of fidgeting. It's a bunch of, hey, give me more. That takes away a lot of that nervousness, does it not? It takes away a lot of that nervousness, but also, um, you know, sorry, going, going away from what you just, I just have to tell you this. So there were two people that we listened to before our games. So I always listen to your speech. You gave a speech and this is, oh my goodness, this is back in, I want to say like 2015 or something like that. And you gave a speech and it just, it was so impactful. So I will say, I I listened to that speech Hmm. before the playoffs and it was, it was talking about how, you know, your teammates and how vital and crucial and how your job is to make your teammates better. Yeah. And it just really, it, it really inspired us. So James Wade, our head coach, we always listen, like I would always listen to your speech on the way to the game. And Kevin Garnett, he sent me a voice note one time <laughs> wow. about putting fear and building that fear and raising that fear in your opponent. Because, you know, your, your, your job as an opponent is to grow that fear. And so I think in going into these speeches, the reason why I was so nervous was because I realized that I had a chance to like be this, what you all to me are to me, to other people. And so I think it's like, that weight of understanding how impactful like those speeches have been in it and your speech in Alabama. I mean, I even text you about it. Like your speech in Alabama was, I mean, my daughter was glued to the television. Mm. So I think it's just realizing how impactful those speeches are. Well, you nailed yours. I'm just telling you, it was sensational. Thank you. Hey, does Layla still have my pig? Pig is gone, Jeff. (laughs) It's on a prairie. Uh, (laughs) I told you. So the, 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 it's not it's a, it's not a joke. We're in the studio one day, and her daughter has a pet pig. Yeah, and I says, "When are we gonna eat him?" I said, "Pigs aren't pets; they're edible pets." So let me know. You what can was tell his, how what, amused that Candace is by what was the his name again? retelling of this story. His name is. We're not doing past tense. He's still alive. His name is Boo. <laughs> Boo. <laughs> My daughter named him. I, well, I cannot wait to have him for dinner one night. So uh, let me know when, the, when you. Uh, when, hey, I'll bring a nice bottle of uh, Redmond vodka, uh, and then I'll bring up some wine for you ladies, and we'll sit there. And I, I, I just want the ears and the snout. Yeah, I know. I know. Please I know. help. 
I know. Hey, hey, lastly, before we let you go, Tuesday nights on TNT, fast approaching. I, I love watching you and Lefko and, and D-Wade, Shaq. Uh, Lefko says, I've got to ask you about playing in the freezing cold in China. Gosh. Listen, when I tell you, um, I was trying to make my decision whether I was going to play another year overseas or do television. And that year made me realize that I wanted to do television. Like it was the coldest we had on like coats, hats. We had heaters on the bench because in the South of China, they act surprised when it gets cold every year. And so they don't have heat in the gym. And you know how cold, if, a, if something sits, it's much colder almost inside than it is out. Ernie, that was why I'm at Turner. That's why I'm here. It's because of that moment. That was like, there's got to be something better. Is that harder to play basketball in that weather? You know, sometimes it's cold in the studio. And like we just rough, we get through it. I mean, yeah, we do, Chuck. We, we've had some me, tough nights. Me and Ernie we've, had some rough nights. It, it, we've kind of bundled. We kind of huddled together. Yes, yeah, and we have blankets. We have blankets yeah. on our legs under the desk. I mean, it's freezing in the studio sometimes. So, so they, they must we, have it nice on Tuesday they, nights. It, yes, they must take all the we heat on Tuesday nights. We sympathize with you. We know how hard it is to rough through being cold. Listen, <laughs> listen. Have you ever jammed your finger in a cold gym? on the ball that's like a rock i'm just telling you that i would rather be in the studio or i'd rather gain a little weight drinking and, and eating with chuck than go play in oh, one of those i got gyms one again. before we let you go i got one more basketball question two basketball questions Uh-oh. who's the best player you ever played with okay and who's the best player you ever played against it's a really great question um i'm full of them watch tnt on thursday nights Oh, gosh. I can't believe I just said that. It slipped out. Um, The best player I've ever played with, um, Diana Tarasi and myself were on the same team over in Russia. And um, I think her passing ability and her ability to always make the correct play, you know, even though sometimes you're like, D, just shoot it, you know. But if somebody hedges, she's going to come off and make the right, you know, read. And so I think it was a lot of fun playing with her because – you know, she, her court vision and her ability to make the right play. I think the toughest opponent I've ever played against, to be honest with you, was probably a Simone Augustus. Okay. I mean, we've battled at LSU, Tennessee. We battled, you know, L.A. against Minnesota Lynx. And Money Moan, she would put up 30 easy. I mean, had the highest release. It was tough contests, handles, go to the basket, pull up mid-range. She extended to the three late in her career. So I think that's probably... In terms of rivalry, yeah. the t- toughest battles. Next Tuesday, the season debut of uh, TNT NBA Tuesdays. Find yourself a nice hat for that uh, for that debut show. Come on, it's gonna be freezing in the studio. But we, you see, it, me and Ernie. No, make she it. wears some great headgear on those on some of those shows. Uh, and I'm just thank you, Ernie. I appreciate <laughs> I love it. that. I appreciate hey, it. She's one of she's one of my favorite people. Uh, every time I see her, she just awesome to be around. No doubt. No doubt. Hey, uh, Chuck, I got a question for both of you all. Okay, so we still don't have a baby name. Okay, so will you have like you got to you got 10 seconds and you got to come up with a, a first and middle name. Okay, so Chuck, you're first. Sydney. What? Sydney. Okay, but there's two names. Oh, so Sydney. So we have a boy. It's a boy. Sydney Michael. Sydney Michael. Okay. Ernie. Ernest Maverick. Nope. Nobody's naming a kid. Ernie. Ernest Maverick. 
Ernest Maverick. I like it. Hey, can, 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 <laughs> hey, hey, no, can you call? Can you call my daughter and tell her to tell me what the sex is? Oh, she she knows. Oh no, no they they're waiting, and I so she was home visiting. I says, "Are y'all gonna find out what the sex is?" She said, "No, Dad, we want to be surprised." I says, "You're pregnant. It's not a surprise." What do you think it is? Oh, hey, everybody needs a little chuckster in their life. Candace, I know. I, I, what are you going to say? You, you're going to say, guys, chuck. thanks for having me on. Bye. <laughs> That's what you're going to say. I appreciate you. Thank you, darling. Thank you, Candace. I appreciate y'all. See you soon. I could have said Charles Wade. Wade. I could have, but or I didn't. Travis but Abernathy. Uh, I know. Wait, why would you name your kid Ernie? I didn't. You said Ernest. I know. I didn't. Okay. I'm just saying she should. Ernest Maverick. I'm just glad you didn't name Eric Ernie. Ooh, boy, that would have been ooh, painful. You know, his son is named Ernest Everett Jones. But, but they call him Everett. Mm-hmm. Okay, because nobody want to name their kid Ernie. Might as well be called Henry. I'd... What's wrong with Henry? Yeah, no, please, don't name your kid Henry. Sorry, Mr. Aaron. But, oh, no, unless you're uh, Hank. Uh, uh, he, and he called himself Hank, 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 Hank. You are And he called himself Hank, didn't he? You are a He called himself Hank, didn't he? You are a Rest in peace to one of the greatest ever, Mr. Man, Aaron. You. He called himself Hank, didn't he? He didn't want to be called Henry. I'm going to tell you a funny name. I'm going to tell you a funny story about my daughter. Okay. You want to do it on the air? Uh, we'll decide during this it, it, break. It's, re- it's really funny. Back actually. with more on the steam room in a minute. Time for the guy who's legendary, TK. Yeah, that's singing right oh, sorry, there. Sorry, just dribbling my mouth a little bit. Yeah. That's singing legendary. Hey, yeah. How's your show to Nolan Ryan? It's getting better, hey, Chuck. There's, yeah, there's no... I uh, didn't. I took it off just to get the uh, doctor mad at me, so there you go. Oh, see? You're not the only tough guy around here, Chuck. Okay, okay. I'm not a tough guy. Clearly, you haven't read Scottie Pippen's book. I'm yeah, a big tough guy. And obviously, <laughs> he hasn't spoken enough <laughs> yeah, no, in this podcast yet. We bring you on. Is the level of jackassery gone through the roof um, with this guy today? I like that word. Candace. Wait, why, wait, why was I jackass to Candace? It just kept torturing her. Uh, she's one of my favorite people. Well, I'd love to be. I wouldn't want to be your enemy then. Chuck has no enemies. That's true. Thank you. You're, you're Speaking welcome. of no enemies, <laughs> I cede the floor to the senator from Alabama for his Christiana story. Oh, so her and my son-in-law was sitting at the table, and they're like, they were having a little disagreement. And I'm saying, what are y'all disagreeing about? And he says, well, we like to name Maggie. And I said, that's my daughter's name. That's it. Bingo. I love that. name. Tremendous. Name. And I said, good story, Chuck. No, wait, what I you got, TK? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Chuck. And then my daughter says, yeah, dad, there's a problem. I said, why? Well, one of my friends, she likes her name, Maggie. I said, is she pregnant? No, but that's going to be named. She named her baby. I said, first of all, nobody owns no damn names. Let's get that out the way. I said, if y'all want to name y'all baby Maggie, name the baby Maggie. I prefer not Maggie, but if you're gonna, sorry, that I forgot your I forgot your daughter name was Maggie when I said. Uh, I'm honored that uh, Christiana wants to name her daughter her 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 baby after my daughter. Uh, look, you look like Deion Sanders in a backpedal right now. No, my point was nobody owns a name. It's like y'all want to name your kid Maggie. Go for it. Go for it. So that's the story that you were that's that we promoted. That's the story. Hey. That's it, Arnie. That's big time. Dang, dang. Hey, Chuck was traveling. Cap, you got the picture. Uh oh. 
Chuck was on the road, and that's the BYU women's basketball team yeah. at LA. Yeah. What happened there, Chuck? Uh, they wanted to take a picture with me. They were awesome ladies. They were very nice. They're ranked 18th or 17th in the country. Uh, they wanted me to make sure that I didn't know that. They were telling me they were ranked 17th. But I met them in L.A. over the weekend, and they were really kind. Well, that speaks to Ernie earlier in the show, talking about when you get an opportunity to make somebody's moment. There you go. And there you, you did. Go. Very yeah. nice, Chuck. Shout out to the BYU women. 17th ranked team in the country. Very nice ladies. They just moved up, as a matter that's of fact, right. from 18 yeah, just because so, of that photo. It's one of them. I couldn't. It's 17 or 18. <laughs> Are you ready to stir up the internet again? Because you guys stirred up the internet. Did we really? Week. Yes. Traveling. Yes. The shower bath. The, sh- the shower that. tub combo. Which is going to be a big deal, apparently. As the kids say, it's trending. <laughs> really? Like, you know, yeah. I told you that, Ernie. Worries me about the internet. But anyway, um, friend of the show, J.J. Reddick, tweeted, how do we feel about people taking their shoes off on a commercial airplane? I just wanted to get your guys' impression oh, of I hate that. taking your shoes off I on hate a that. plane. Do flight. you have socks? You're just taking your shoes off, and who knows what you're going to find. You could find shack feet under there. Let me just say this. International flight, it's I, okay. Uh, because you have those socks that they give you. Yes. Uh, let me I tell you something. You I actually think it's all right to take your shoes off. This is spoken like a guy who takes his shoes off on a flight. No, no, no. 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 I very rarely do that, number one. You have to have socks on. Yeah. Okay. I've seen that on some shows where they show people have their bare feet all over the place. Yeah. Let me tell you something. If somebody did that to me, I'm going to knock the hell out of them. But it's all right to take your shoes off in your seat, but you have to have socks on. So you're willing to settle for assault and battery. And, and Yes. <laughs> no. You know how people, maybe Inside Edition was making fun of somebody. Oh. They had people who, and I guess there's a website where you can send stupid things in. Mm-hmm. There's people who would like put their bare feet on somebody else's seat on an airplane. Yeah. Try that stuff with me. Ooh, tough Try guy. Try that stuff. Put, no, I'm not. No, I'm going to tell you. Read the book. I'm a fake tough guy. I, right, I think it was on page 275. <laughs> let me ask you this, Chuck and Ernie. Do either of you have seat reclining rules? Yes. Um, uh, the guy in front of you? No, I mean, I always check and i and i never really go full like full recline yeah, back, right, you right. know and you know uh, when that does happen to me it's a little uh, shocked to the system and normally it happens as i've dozed off yes you get the you old. know because i can sleep i'm i'm usually asleep you before before zero. wheels up yep and then all of a sudden it's like bang two things into your knees and it's like common courtesy you can do it but it's always good to say hey i'm coming back when people do it to me and they do it rudely I have to let it go, be honest with you, because, like, I don't want any drama. It's annoying, and I really want to punch. So no assault and battery here. No. All right. But What if the person who does it is barefoot? <laughs> Stop it, Ernie. <laughs> but I have a very strict rule. I always turn around. I would never go full way back. I'm going to go as small as possible just to get me where I can get my big old head back and take a nap or go to sleep, but I would never go all the way back. I think that's rude and inappropriate. Take a nap or go to sleep? Explain the difference. If you're going to sleep for like 5, 10, 15 minutes, that's called a nap. Now, if I'm going to go full-blown sleep, like if I'm flying across the country and i like going to sleep for an extended period of time, those are different. Now, you know the difference between nap and sleep, fool. No. You take a nap, <laughs> you're sleeping. See what I got to deal with, America? Hey, Chuck, how about this? I could this? say the same how thing. How about this? <laughs> How about bringing smelly ass sandwiches in? Oh, no, like no. like a I don't know a tuna salad sandwich from Subway. <sighs> it's so funny. This is tough. No, this is a tough no, question. Nope, 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 nope. 
I have a very strict rule on these two <laughs> things. Smelly tuna fish. <laughs> I, I personally don't think, it's just me being the fool that I am, I don't think tuna and chicken salad, I think you can only eat it if you make it at the house. I'm not eating random strangers, tuna fish, and chicken salad. You're not eating it. I'm not, not. They're not it. asking you to eat no, it. No, no, no. I'm saying, oh, like if you if you want to bring... somebody comes onto a plane with a tuna salad sandwich or an egg salad sandwich. They are welcome to do that. But I don't understand why you would risk eating somebody else's tuna fish or chicken salad. That's just me. That should not be available on a menu anywhere because somebody else is making it. That's just my personal thing. Wow, that is so I, random. Essentially. No, I mean that. Tuna fish is a delicacy, but it has to. Oh, has to excuse see, me. I, <laughs> now it's a delicacy. Hey, chicken salad. Yes. Caviar. I'm not, not going to eat a random person's tuna fish or chicken salad. That's chicken of the sea. Rule. Wow. They're yelling in my ear. They're yelling in my ear. All right. Last thing. Well, second to last thing. <laughs> Most memorable flight for any reason, bad memory or good memory. And don't say the Mile High Club. No, I've never been in the Mile High Club, so don't even bring that. Don't even bring that up hey, with hey, him. Let me tell you something. I know if I haven't been in the Mile High Club, Ernie has definitely not been in the Mile High Club, America. <laughs> I've had so many flights. I don't even remember anything memorable happening. To be honest with you, I love taking international flights because some of the meals they give you are amazing. Well, I'm going to Australia, Germany, Italy, Spain. Well, you get that one great meal halfway through, then you get another meal. I mean, those to me, and like they give you some really good stuff. Those to me are my most memorable flight. I mean, flying from here to Philly or here to L.A., especially now, they, I mean, the stuff they're giving you today. I'm thankful that I do not have an answer for that question because that means 99% of my flights have been uneventful, and that's exactly what I want. You can saw some serious wood on it. I do. Everybody I, can. I, 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 no, he's he goes out like yeah. boom. Yeah. You know what's so funny about that? I've had stupid friends of mine, and I call them stupid friends, say to me, they can't sleep on a plane. Let me tell you something. I'm with Ernie. If I'm tired, I could go to sleep right here on this floor if I was tired, <laughs> and y'all could shoot the steam room. And wouldn't even bother me. I could sleep anywhere. I, the ability to sleep, the only downside to that is it usually means that I've forgotten to, to take my shoes and socks off. And then I have to go the rest of the flight with those bothersome shoes on. All right, we're in royalty again, Chuck. Yes. The last thing. This is the last thing, I swear. National Sports Media Association named Ernie Johnson Sportscaster of the Year. Sharing it, sharing it with Scott Van Pelt. Shout One out. of our favorites, it's as a Scott matter Van of fact. Pelt. Well done, hey, Ernie. Scott thank Van you, guys. Pelt. Thank you, thank you. Scott Van Pelt is one of my favorite people, him and Stanford Steve. I watch them religiously, and I text them when I get my bad beats, because I do. Uh, shout out to Scott. Great job. And Stanford. Ernie, congratulations, brother. Thank you, kid. Way to go, Eads. You know. Yeah, well deserved. Reflection of the whole team. That's uh, all it is uh, right well, there. I work with some awesome incredible. people. Yeah, thank you. The best fight I can give you is Hubie. Okay, I'm sitting with Hubie and some guy starts annoying him and he's telling me about the game and this guy keeps annoying him and Hubie turns around and goes, would you shut the up? Oh, I love it. <laughs> I love that. And the guy wanted to fight Hubie on the plank. It was great. <laughs> by the way, it. Hubie going. And yes, he by, is also by by the, in the uh, Hall of Fame. Yes, he is going into the National same, Sports Media. That's right. One of my favorite people. Yeah, one of the great association. So shout out to his daughter, Marley, who went to Auburn. Another smart person in the family. 
All right. Uh, That's it. Yeah, that is it. It's it's always great to have the legendary longtime producer of Inside the NBA, Tim Thank Kiley. You, uh, I got to go Thank look you. in the I got to go look in the dictionary and see what legendary really means. Uh, <laughs> it's got his picture. <laughs> okay. Come on, man. You can't eat tuna fish and chicken salad from any food. Stop it. Just from reputable dealers. I can't wait till Subway calls him after this. Chuck and Ernie in the steam. Chuck and Ernie in the steam. Chuck and Ernie in the steam. Please keep your towel on. It's still kind of a letdown that we don't have a live house band. No, come on. That has to be a special time. So that's... Uh, Wait, so we're not going to see him again for 41 years? He had nothing to do with the championship. The kid's 24 years old, 25 so years gonna old. So he's going to be 60-something next oh, time y'all up. win it. Whatever. Whatever. <laughs> 404-987-0330. 404-987-0330. Hey, we're going, my grandbaby, whatever it is, going to be like 47 hey, if we what, win every 50 years. You know what that phone number is I gave you? Yes. What is it? That's the machine. Yeah, play it. You've reached Charles Barkley. Leave a message, America. Hey, Ernie and Chuck. This is Bill from Harrisburg, PA. Uh, the Steam Room is one of my favorite podcasts. I really appreciate your work on it. There's one recent exception, however. After hearing Chuck, quote, unquote, sing my way, my rescue dog, Molly, ran and hit under the dining room table. The vet <laughs> says she'll be fine but may need some extended therapy. Brown eyes, man, let me tell you what. When I was playing it on my radio, Man, you walk up my dog, they started barking and howling. They were like, oh. Charles, I love you. But when you started singing karaoke, my dog started going crazy. It was like the 4th of July. I love you on uh, on the basketball and all that great stuff you do, man. But, man, you just got to take a break <laughs> from hurting my dog, man. You're hurting my dog. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Look at okay. you! What you're doing to canines? You know, I saw online a few months ago people giving Lizzo a hard time about her body. Lizzo, I love you. Told you, girl. You and her, Dan and Shay. That's all I'm listening to right now. And and the new Bruno Mars, Anderson Pack, uh, new CD. Man, that sounded old when I said CD, didn't it? Yeah, it did. Yeah, but so that's all I'm listening to right Can't now. Can't hide it. Uh, hey, Anderson Pack and my man Bruno. Oh, they got a residency. Residency. Res- Residency? Residency. Re- what Ernie said. What hey, the heck is so hard about that word, dude? Let's spell it again. Residency. Are you trying to say residency? Residency. Okay. I don't use that word often. No uh, kidding. So, For yeah. good reason. So, Lizzo, Dan and Shay, her. That's all I've been listening to lately for some reason. So, where does residency come into this conversation? Uh, uh, Anderson Pack and Bruno doing one in Vegas. So, I got to oh. go check that out. Oh, but okay. the point I want to make about Lizzo People giving her a hard time. So these people who are calling in, Ernie, people criticize you when you're great. And when you suck. No, 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 no. That, and that's what they're doing here. It, they're just hating you on can't greatness. Sing a, you can't sing a lick, man. Nobody can sing who sings karaoke. So? Everybody who sings karaoke sucks. That's my point. So so you're saying that actually your performance is just, just like top of the line for karaoke. Top of the line. That's why they call me old brown eyes. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you. So listen, guys, I appreciate the criticism, the constructive criticism. It wasn't constructive. But that's called haters, Ernie. Yeah. 
That's called dog lovers is what and it's called. Stop it. Like, we, hey, look at, we've been down that road before. Next call, please. <laughs> hey, Charles. Adam here uh, down in Raleigh, North Carolina. I just want to know your opinion on Bitcoin or anything that has to do with cryptocurrency. Great question. Finally got rid of the haters and got a real caller. You know, it's interesting, Ernie. I got two financial advisors. Scott Guthrie and Stuart Hamilton, they both do a fantastic job. Ne- Paid for by Hamilton and Guthrie. Uh, yes. Neither one of them will let me invest in Bitcoin. They don't believe in it. Because I ask all the time because, you know, I see stuff. And I'll tell you this. So we were out shooting the Capital One commercials with the guys. And I pulled Sam Jackson aside. I said, Sam, because I love picking his brain because he's amazing. And I said, Sam, where are you at on Bitcoin? He says, Chuck, I'm not putting money in anything that I don't understand and I can't get my hands on. That was one day. The next day, we got the great Magic Johnson in the spot. I pull him aside. I said, Irv, because Irv's a billionaire. I said, Irv, where are you on Bitcoin? He said, I don't have a dime in Bitcoin because I don't really know how everything works about it. So to answer my man's question, I have not a dime in Bitcoin. It might work for some people. Because it's funny. You hear all, all these people making money, but I ain't never met any of my friends who made a lot of money in Bitcoin. So, no, sir. Not a dime in Bitcoin. Thank you for, thanks uh, for calling in. For explaining hey, hey, that. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for getting us rid of those haters earlier, too. This has been it, fun, uh, again, it as is. it always you is. Want me to take you out now? Take yeah. me out? <sighs> And now I don't. I don't think there's any way I can the stop. The end it. is near. This will all be up As to Michael Kaplan, our producer, as to when he wants curtain, to fade it out. My which friends, I would recommend would be sooner rather than later. Old brown eyes, America. That's what they call me. Mm-hmm. That's among the things they call you. <laughs> thanks for hey, we'll thanks for being lost, steamers, guys. Even though y'all bitter, angry haters, thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs> what he said. <laughs>